Hey, welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And you're listening to our weekly podcast, Elder Law Issues, in which I usually, with my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, talk about, guess what, elder law issues. And Elizabeth is here today as well, again, to talk about one of the things that we see a lot of. And and it seems to me, Elizabeth, I've seen a lot more of it recently than even uh, over the, the many, 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 many years that I've been practicing law. And Robert, I'm going to wager a guess on what you're thinking about. And I'm going to tell you that I'm seeing more of these things come up now that we are in this phase of the pandemic, whatever phase we're in actually that um, we're getting more of these types of calls so it's uh you think it's it's a a product of there being continual problems health-related problems for a significant share of the population including particularly the the share that we ordinarily deal with seniors and people with disabilities Uh, and yet things are opening up in a way that allows some of these problems to surface huh I wonder if we're talking about the same thing. Will you want to write down what you're talking about? I'll write down what I'm talking about and we'll compare. Why don't I just tell you about the voicemail I got? I got a voicemail from a gentleman. I could hear he was in a parking lot. He said, Elizabeth, I was referred to you by someone, but I can't remember his name. I'm having a stressful day. My mom is in the ER. She's fallen and they say she needs hip surgery. She's confused and I don't know if she had a stroke or what I'm supposed to do, but now all the doctors are asking me for a power of attorney or if I'm her guardian, and I was just told I'm supposed to call you. And I'm in a crisis. That's exactly the the scenario that I was seeing, saying I'm seeing so much more of, and add to it that mom or wife or husband or whomever is also combative refusing to accept care, refusing to move to an appropriate facility, shouting obscenities at anybody who suggests such a thing. The one I saw this morning, mom has been regularly calling the police and accusing her daughter-in-law of breaking into her home at night and stealing her purse to the point that the police finally showed up one night and said, is that your purse over there? Yeah, it was her purse. Guess what? Nobody was stealing her purse, but she's just fixated on this and has become a major management problem for the, the entire family who are all trying to cope with this. So these these things come up in different ways, Robert, and I want people to know who reach out in their moment of crisis. If Robert doesn't call you back or I don't call you back and you get a call from a member of our staff, please know that the staff member is totally capable to handle the intake information from you, to talk with you about things, and to try and get a little more information so that we know what the most appropriate next steps are as far as legal advice goes. A lot of times, Robert, we are in the mix of our day or our weekend or something, and we will start getting calls, sometimes four or five messages at a time. And the best way for someone to get attention is for us to be able to delegate a call back to our staff members. So the first thing I want to tell folks who are listening is if you do not get a call back directly from an attorney on our team, that is not a bad thing. We're just trying to service your questions and your needs as quickly as we can, knowing that things are urgent. And I also want to underscore, Robert, when we talk about emergencies and urgencies, 
we are often thinking about the framework of the court system and sometimes the bar when somebody is trying to make a argument to the court that there's an emergency simply can't be met. The court's threshold to declare something an, emer an emergency is actually much higher than what you or I or many people who we work with would think is an emergency. So we don't want people to also think that we're blowing them off or, or what you consider really a problem is not. We are often trying to think of things in real time about what is uh, truly super time sensitive and and part of the decision making around a medical treatment for instance if you've got you know mom and, and mom needs to have a medical procedure tonight yeah that's that is super time sensitive and we need to address well mom calling the police every night is a problem it's a bit different than than your mom potentially needing to have some kind of operation this evening. And, and the fact that everybody in the family has worked up into a frenzy about this. And hey, it's really obvious that mom is really sick. We keep saying mom, we should make this dad sometimes. The dad is really sick and really needs the, uh, the, the, the assistance of the family. Yeah, the question for the emergency is not how bad is the condition, it is how bad are the circumstances? Is somebody going to die or have serious injury if they don't have something happen in the next 48 hours? Well, that begins to sound like an emergency. And, well, you know, mom is so confused that she could leave the stove on and burn the house down, and that could happen in 48 hours, is not the same thing as dad is bleeding and uh, and. Uh, refusing to get into the ambulance and the ambulance won't force him to get into it. Um, that's a little bit more of an emergency. And there are not really clear answers to any of these scenarios, Robert. So that's the other thing that I would say is people want the black and white answer. They want to know the law. They want to know what does the rule book say. And actually, the most important thing for people to know about that is that the person who you're concerned about has her, his or her or their civil rights automatically by default. So to begin any kind of procedure that might change those, like a guardianship, is a serious, serious matter. And that in order for us to move ahead and provide you with legal advice, you need to keep in mind that even if the person you're concerned about does not have capacity, that person still has rights under the law. Absolutely. And, and you were talking earlier, Elizabeth, about the triage method that we apply, where we often have one of the legal assistants return your call and try to collect information. Well, we, we are pretty busy. I don't mean to make it sound like we don't want your business, but we're pretty busy and we want to, to make sure that the most appropriate level of response is being applied. And to do a guardianship and or a conservatorship we are just gonna to have to have a doctor's report. So when our legal assistant calls you back and says, do you have a doctor's report? Does your dad see a, do a doctor on a regular basis? Can you go to the doctor? I'll send you the form. Can you go to the doctor and get the doctor to complete the form? That's not us trying to put you off. That's trying to recognize the reality that we are just not gonna be able to go forward until we have that doctor's report in most cases. And if things are urgent, Robert, and we get get into that kind of discussion, and you've got a great doc who's right there, who says, fax something to me right now, or I could testify, or do you want me to just type up a written statement? All those things are also helpful. So 
when we talk about things like written reports, we're trying to think about what the court needs to see and what the kind of evidence may be. But we understand that in some emergencies, what needs to happen is there may need to be oral testimony. However, in order to get the court's attention, if we're talking about an emergency conservatorship or emergency guardianship, we actually have to file some evidence with the court in order to actually get an emergency hearing. So if we can't file evidence that helps substantiate the emergency, even if we say, hey, the doctor's going to testify, that may not be something that we can get a hearing for. And, and we have to have a pretty good, we the lawyers have to have a pretty good feel for what's going to, to be in that testimony, even if we're able to bypass the usual process. We can't just take it on on a wing and faith that uh, that there is probably a doctor who will probably testify that your dad is incapacitated. We need to know. So we're going to say, can you get us a report? Because that really would help things. Uh, and there's going to be an attorney who's going to go see your dad before the hearing, even if the hearing is 48 hours away. And that attorney is going to have some of these same questions. And oh, by the way, this whole process is going to be pretty darn expensive to get the, the rush through the, the system. So the other thing that our caseworker or our legal assistant is going to ask you is, are you quite sure there's no power of attorney out there? Can you scrounge around and look again and see if maybe there is one? Because that will save everybody a ton of money and a lot of time. Uh, and apropos of that, Elizabeth, you pointed out that people so often say, the doctors say, I need to get a power of attorney for my mom. She's completely unable to communicate. Well, she can't sign a power of attorney then. If there's not one laying around in a drawer somewhere, power of attorney is off the table because she has to be competent and willing to sign the power of attorney. If she's calling your names, refusing to cooperate, and not, not uh, understanding where she is or what's going on, power of attorney is not the, is not the choice. These are hard cases, uh, and they're very draining on us as well as on you. And we're not begging for sympathy. We're just saying appreciate that we want to help, but we don't want to gear up a lot of machinery to no effect and, uh, and incur a bunch of cost for you that doesn't, doesn't get you where you want to go. And with that, maybe we can just leave that issue there for the moment. You've been listening to me, Robert Fleming, and my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are two of the partners at Fleming & Curdy PLC, a Tucson elder, elder law firm. And, uh, and this is Elder Law Issues, our weekly podcast. Join us next week. Thanks. <laughs>